Hello and welcome to Vista Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world. I'm your host for today, Priscilla Charles, and I'm joined today by a special guest in Studio 2, Shane Ryan. Hi, Shane. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, doing well. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being on the show. We appreciate it. Shane has an extremely busy schedule, uh, so uh, we will uh, waste no time and get on to the show for our audience who is, I'm sure, dying to get to know you. So, uh, Shane, uh, first, um, uh, I might not be mistaken in saying that your birthday was, was very recently. Should I say happy birthday? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was on the 27th of January. So, uh, yeah, special day. Turned 27 <laughs> on the 27th. You're actually the exact same age as my sister. Reminds me that I can't forget it in a month's time. So, <laughs> so, um, so uh, that must have been like a very special um, birthday since you were selected uh, alongside Dara Green by Swim Ireland to compete at the Olympic Games uh, taking place uh, from the 23rd of July to August the 8th. So, congratulations! That's fantastic. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, yeah, it was it was great just to find out that you know. It was on my birthday and like, you know, it's just being able to be nominated just kind of takes like a little bit of pressure off, you know, because it's like yeah. we've been working like basically since four years ago, since the next Olympics. Yeah. For this. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a really big honor and just so happy that uh, all the hard work has paid off. Well, congrats. Yeah, well deserved. And um, so uh, for those of you who wouldn't know Shane yet, Shane is Ireland's fastest man in the 100 uh, meter backstroke where you attained the time at the 29 Irish Open Championships. So um, I kind of want to, you know, yeah, you, t you told me how you felt about the news, but like you said you were preparing for the past four years. That must have been like, you know, huge pressure. And um, so tell me how how was the announcement made? And, and uh, yeah, tell me everything. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we found out a little bit earlier than before. So we had to wait a little bit. So that was really hard. Um, so we only really could tell our families like, and that, that was it. But then once the announcement came, then it was just like more like, then we could like send it out on the social media, you know, tell our spot, like tell my sponsorships, which, which was great because, you know, they've helped me significantly and I wouldn't really be here without all their help. So it's like, it's just everything that just paid off and it's just it's just like just relief you know like everything you worked for you know even through the pandemic everything we went through there um it's just it was just it was just great <laughs> i mean it's like the biggest achievement you know that i went to the 2016 rio olympics but now i'm going for my second one um so it's just it's just another honor and it's just yeah it's a blessing that's fantastic. Well, congratulations again. And uh, coming back on your nomination, so um, National Performance uh, Director John Rod, who was uh, recently on our Vista talk show with uh, mm -hmm. Simon Hodgkins, and also our keynote speaker at, at the Finger Bowl Awards 2019, uh, commented on the on the selection, the policy selection, because I understand there was a revision, and yeah. he was saying you know, that the revision aims to provide athletes with the fairest possible opportunity to be nominated at the Olympic Games. So what does that mean for you and for Swim Island? Can you expand a little bit on this, maybe? Yeah, so when they restructured the, the whole Olympic qualification, um, I mean, I wasn't technically qualified, even though I had the A standard at the time, and I was, you know, qualified by the Olympic standards, but I was not by Swim Ireland or Sport Ireland or the Olympic Federation, just because they put standards in this year mm -hmm. um, to make us swim when we're supposed to swim fast. You know, like we had to get the A standard at to the 2019 World Championships in South Korea. Um, we had to get achieve that time there. Mm -hmm. And then when our trials came along, then we could swim within 1% of that time. So just a little bit slower. But if we did not get that time at that meet, 
that means we have to get the A standard at the Irish trials. And that was the last time you could get it. So the only two times you're allowed to get it. Yeah. Um, and if you do, don't get the A standard, I mean, then you have the hope to be on a relay because then we're going to like Europeans like a month or two later. Yeah. Um, and that's only relay swims, um, no individuals whatsoever. So it's just, you know, I was glad that I got that A standard and I knew that I could do the time. And the funny enough, the time that I needed to get under was my time from Rio. So I just had to beat myself from four years ago. Fantastic. Yeah. So it's just um, now it's just like, no, it's just with everything going on, we don't have opportunities to race. Luckily, I was part of the ISL, um, which is the International Swimming League. So I was able to race, but that's short course meters, not long course, what you see in the, uh, so, I mean, it was great to have the atmosphere of racing and racing, but long course to short course are two totally different ball games um but you know it's just now we're training away and like you know we have like our little races uh this past weekend and the weekend before but it's only with the teammates you know yeah. like i'm racing people in my backstroke event while they're doing butterfly or freestyle so it's like it's just it's just not the right atmosphere so with the new change it gives us an opportunity to be competitive at the olympics when the time comes and when we need to swim fast absolutely okay and and you were also I understand that you were speaking at announcement of the continuous of Circle K for yeah. initiatives last summer. I read it was quite an interesting initiative um, where the customers could scan the Circle A app or play or park loyally tag and store to generate digital coins that the team Island Athlete can use then to fuel their journey to Tokyo. That's mm -hmm. pretty cool. Like, can you tell us, you know, um, a little bit about this brand initiative? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, just like really amazing. Like they, they were one of my uh, like, you no know, sponsors. So I'm a brand ambassador for them. So they've been really good to me and really good to all the athletes that are trying to achieve their goals to try to get to the, you know, the Olympics and Tokyo. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just really cool. So it's a little app on your phone and like you open it up, they have like little bits of food, snacks, mm -hmm. like car washes, uh, like, you know, diesel, petrol. So, I mean, they generated over, I think it was like 117 million digital coins, wow. which that equals out to be like over 83,000 euros worth of wow. just coins alone. Totally. But for us as athletes, I mean, every little thing counts. I mean, some of the best athletes in the world are the best for what they do because they focus on the little things, you know, and mm -hmm. just having a banana, just having a little bit of snack, not worrying about, oh, do I have enough? petrol or diesel to get to practice you know just like so it's like having those little bits really really help so it's just like it's so helpful that it's not only me but it's everyone that i know they're just like they always use the app and if there's something wrong with it they fix it straight away and all the athletes are happy so i mean it's it i mean i use it a lot all i know everyone else uses it a lot so it's a really yeah. really great app that we have and you know it's a really great sponsor that we have as well that's such a clever and fantastic initiative for everyone to be able to uh, participate in your journey and, you know, and support you even more. Um, so now I'd like to talk about the global stage. The Olympics is such a huge event, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, and we're all focused on digital now because of the pandemic. So at Visitech, we have a dedicated uh, digital first program helping companies strengthen their global reach and effectiveness. And it's quite fascinating to learn that back in 2014, like the Olympics had already such digital coverage at the time that exceeded um, that of traditional broadcasts in a sense, you know, with over 60,000 hours and 230 digital channels. So with the current Olympic plans, you know, it's changing, maybe we're not sure. And the digital side of the Olympics, uh, that's going to be really important strategically. Um, what, how do you see this, you know, like 
what is your opinion, you know, in terms of like it being so important uh, because of the current situation? So it's like, I mean, everyone knows, everyone's struggling, you know, everything's like, you know, we're talking online right now. And uh, I think it's just going to really be, it's going to be so important. Um, but also, I think it's going to be a better coverage as well, where they're going to have like, you know, more access, more behind the scenes stuff, which is going to give the insight a little bit better. That's what I think, because I mean, mm -hmm. they're going to have to entertain, you know, yeah. and um, yeah, right, I yeah. think it's a really cool opportunity now for the Olympics. I mean, it's it's the Olympics. Everything's covered. You know, the, everything's going to be shown. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's going to be a little bit more this time because what they're talking about once the Olympics go ahead, um, they're going to maybe not hold it with any, you know, any anybody in the stands. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be that much crucial that they have that digital coverage, you know, and getting it out there and, you know, making sure everyone knows what's going on exactly when it's going to be going on. So like just the updates are going to be really quick, you know, showing it live with high quality, fast internet, like everything, everything's just going to be, I think it's going to ramp it up because there's going to be a need for it. So, um, I mean, it's just for me, it's going to be great because I mean, either way, I still have to race. I still have to do a job for my country and myself. So, um, it's just going to be good for like, you know, my family and friends going to be whoever, wherever they are in the world, be able to have access to it. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, back on the Olympics, um, the program is the highest level of Olympic sponsorship granting category exclusive marketing rights to the summer, the winter, the youth Olympic games as well, and to a number, a selected number of uh, global partners. So the pro obviously, you know, the program created in 1985 attracts some of the best known multinational companies in the world, which helped athletes over 200 nations, I understand, to participate mm -hmm. in the biggest sporting stage, we can say. So how much engagement and difference to these large brands do you think add to the Olympics? I think with the Olympics coming ahead, with all the sponsorships, they're going to have to think outside the box a little bit more and try to get their brand out there a lot more as well. So, I mean, just taking any idea and seeing if it's going to work and put it on something to see if it's going to work, see if it's going to show. Um, it's going to be very, very important just to make sure that like, you know, the branding's on point, you know, putting things on where putting like, you know, signs and making sure you're covering a certain areas that you really, really wouldn't think about mm -hmm. um, and knowing the ins and outs of like, you know, of the stadiums and all of like, you know, where the camera is going to be. I think that's going to be really, really uh, important. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, like they're supporting athletes. So, I mean, you know, it's just, it's just yet again, it's just a great opportunity that, you know, there are companies out there that are helping us and doing what they need to do. At, and, but at the same thing, same time, like we're helping them to get their brand out there and you know make a name you know and the better we do the better you know the the brand does as well 100%, yeah it's true and it's also interesting that we're speaking of the olympics and the branding that olympic marketing can actually be traced back to the first modern olympics uh, oh yeah and, and it play and it, it really has played a vital role in the growth of the olympics and uh, and the audience following this uh, since uh, well since 1896 really so, um, I mean, in your opinion, that promoting sport is equally important. How does this happen from the grassroots to a global audience for your area? So it's like, you know, we have, I, it's just so vital just to make sure that like, you know, the marketing is out there, you know, and getting it out there. And even, what was it, the 18? 1896. Like, I feel like it's even beyond that as well. You know, it's like, even like, you know, the Olympics, like first years and years, such an old sporting event, I mean, how they even get people to the events back in the way back in the day, you know, during the Greeks, because they, they marketed it, you know, everyone knew about it, you know, um, and it's the same thing. It's every four years. So it's really cool that like everyone knows and everyone anticipates 
that like all oh, the Olympics, I can't wait for the sea swim. I can't wait for, you know, see Usain Bolt's uh, run for the last time and all that stuff. So it's, it's really, really crucial that, you know, the marketing is out there, but they also need to do it in a unique way now. And just, it's just, everything's just have, like I said, they have to think outside the box. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. Especially with the moving to a more digital environment. Mm -hmm. And um, now, as I mentioned, we work with Vistatec works with some of the those big global multinational brands in global content solutions, and we help you know promote their message to reach audiences in different countries across the, the world, mm -hmm. the planet, their languages and cultures, etc. So now, in 2013 and 2016, the program, um, the Olympics, raised over one billion and a half of the world population that watched the game broadcast, which is huge Nuts, yeah. uh, in 4K Ultra HD. So why would you say how important is it to reach new audiences for the sport across the world? I think what I think it's so important coming from like an athlete, you know, and like also like a kid who loves sport. It just inspires younger generations as well. You know, just see getting access to doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, just having an access to watch it, you know, because it's like you have some of the best like athletes in the world come from nothing and you just and then you learn about their story and it's absolutely amazing because then it goes all the way back to be like i remember just like seeing you know michael phelps on the tv or some football player on the tv and it's that inspired me to be there so i think it's so important that you know it needs to be done 100 but now i think it's even more important that it has to be done the right way and try to reach even more people um, because of, you know, the COVID situations, everyone has to be safe. Everyone needs to be enjoying themselves as well. So it's just like, you have to, they, it's so important at, right now for, for that to really to be better. <laughs> um, but I mean, still a great achievement if they hit that again, or even hit more than that, like that's just unreal. And it's just such an amazing opportunity that they had something like that. Absolutely. And um, now, um, for me, I want to get to know the athletes, and I want our audience who might have you know any questions or you know who might be looking at you, you know, a younger audience, you know, who might wonder. I want to be like Shane one day yeah. and talk about you know your journey uh, to this point. So you were born and raised in Pennsylvania, and you graduated from Penn State University with a mm -hmm. degree in event management, which is very just pretty much what. We, we, we could say we do the same thing, really. Yeah. After <laughs> event, we're in the podcast. So we have something in common. And I want to know, so, you know, past the event management degree, where did the passion for swimming start? How, what is the connection? And is this, has this always been there? Yeah. So, I mean, like, it started off, like, my mom was the big, you know, that's who I look up to. And that's always who kept me in swimming. Um, growing up, I mean, I played, like, 10, over 10 sports growing up. But like my mom always kept me swimming. So if I played lacrosse or baseball, basketball, American football, football, like anything like that, I would go play my school sport, come home, eat or eat in the car and then go to swim practice when I was younger because my mom was my swim coach growing up. Okay. So she was like, she just always knew, you know how moms always have that, like, you know what? I want to say this and then you know I know I'm right but you're going to disagree so that's what she did to me all the time she's like no you're going to come to swim practice so that's what I did even after like basketball games I would rock rock up to swimming and in my basketball uniform and just get in I might be a little late but she just knew that swimming came like it came easy to me and I had a special talent so now I mean with everything now I'm like a semi-finalist in the 2016 Rio Olympics I'm a four-time medalist for for Ireland and first world medalist as well so she she, you know, she's always right in some aspects. So, uh, yeah, so I mean, it just, 
really up until 18 years old, I didn't really care for swimming. I just always swam it. And like, I started seeing colleges started getting, you know, like, would you want to come to like, you know, Penn state, Tennessee, mm -hmm. Michigan, like all these, like went on recruiting trips. Yeah. And you know, like I had to take a step back from that and think like, okay, well, like, where's my best options? Where am I going to get the best education? Because there is a life after swimming. So education, I'm really big into education. And so it's like, okay, like, you know, I chose Penn State because that's what I felt comfortable at. Like I felt very comfortable there and they had a great, like, you know, program for what I went to school with. And um, they had a great facilities as well, except for our pool. Our pool was not the greatest, but it was good for training. It's, a, it's built in like 1964. Yeah. Very, very, but when we went to other pools, it was big. Um, and then literally I dropped three seconds within eight months from my, um, from my like high school time to my like uh, backstroke time in, yeah. which is crazy because that ended up putting me on the U.S. national team. Wow. In just eight months and just actually focusing on swimming um gaining about 25 pounds um and then I was like top 10 in the world with only like eight months of just focusing on what I needed to do and it was a very hard first year for me at Penn State yeah um really really hard so it was great to see like you know all the hard work kind of paid off and then it just kind of trickled over um so it's just and then ended up like you know 2015 came around 14 we were thinking about doing the Irish thing and then after that the rest is history Wow, that's fantastic. So she was right all along. I bet now she yeah. was here. I was right. <laughs> but hard days yeah. definitely. So, uh, well, fantastic. And uh, so you mentioned, you know, 2015 and Ireland. So I understand that you started to compete for Ireland, for Swim Island in 2015. So I'm sure you may get asked this question quite often. Uh, but why did you decide to, to compete for Ireland and not the United States? Is this related to your personal background? Yeah, so I mean, I mean, I was a fast swimmer and I was definitely able to, you know, because I was all on the U.S. national team. But, you know, for myself, for my what I needed to accomplish, you know, in my life, I wanted to be an Olympian no matter what. So I took the sacrifice of stepping down from that. And, you know, and I had my dad's from Ireland. So full on Irish, uh, you know, Midlands Brogue and all that stuff. So he's one out of 10 and he's the only one living in the state. So all nine of them still live in Port Arlington and County Leash in Ireland. So there's a big family there. My mom, she's one out of eight, and she lives in Philadelphia. So, but her like, grandparents are from Ireland and from Mayo. So it's like you know both sides are Irish. So I've always had that opportunity there, and my mom always kept my passport. That's why I always got it when I was really, really young. She was like, just yeah. in case there could be a possibility. So there again with moms, um, she was like, just in case you know there was a possibility that you could go swim for Ireland, and you know what I had was like my last week of finals my junior year I didn't know what to do and I just said you know what like I'm gonna make a decision and made a decision within three days and dropped everything made sure my school was good when I came back when I was gonna come back and finish my degree um like I had to like as soon as I got off the plane went to right to a lawyer's office got a noted that I was here that I came in so Ireland was absolutely amazing with how they helped me um and you know like it was really hard for me at first because I went from 50,000 undergrad students and like, you know, a big team of 60 people yeah. to living in a old house by myself with no money, only a bike, a bicycle for transportation. And it would lived on a 500 acre property where the pool is at. So I had to ride my bike at like 4:30 in the morning in the rain, like two kilometers just to get to it. Wow. So that's why, yeah. So it was like really, really hard for the first year 
Um, and then, you know, started like, you know, once I qualified, um, ended up, you know, going on a little bit more trips, staying mm -hmm. away from the house. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was really hard. Cause I remember like, I just would just sleep just to pass the time. And it was just really, really struggling. Cause it's just, you know, I didn't have school and like, I had like one other roommate, but he had school, he had a job, mm -hmm. you know, and he was still swimming every now and then. So it was, it was really hard for me, you know, just from like the different aspect of, you know, from college. Mm. and then coming to Ireland and focusing full on training and it was totally different levels of professionalism you know here in Ireland compared to over you know college swimming yeah so it was really really hard but it paid off you know mm. and I would do it again over and over and over again and you know and now I'm living here for over two years now again and I love it now I absolutely love it that's brilliant and you're based in Dublin right yeah based in Dublin yeah, yeah. Well, fair play to you. That sounds very challenging, but very <laughs> consistent. And that's, I say, that's, that's what there, I, was there was, I knew there was an end date living in that house. So yeah, <laughs> so I, I knew that I just needed to stay strong. And so you're on your own now. Yeah, yeah, I'm on my own. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're also involved in different activities. So correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I understand that you were involved in Fitter and Faster, the premier swim clinic and camp operation in the United States for competitive swimmers. Can you tell us a little bit about the Fit and Faster, please? Yeah, no, it's a great organization over there. Um, and it's like, you know, it's 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 run by skinny David Artlock. He's really good, but he knows what he needs to do, you know, to help inspire the younger generation over in the States. So we have like a bunch, like over over 75 swimmers, you know, high, high caliber swimmers that get sent across the whole country. Um, and it's just like, it, all we really care about is just trying to like make the kids better, make them have an amazing experience and be, making them, you know, having that experience where like, Oh my God, I swam with an Olympian, like in the same lane and he swam with me and I raced, I raced them as well at the end. Um, so it was, it's a really, really cool opportunity. And it's a great way for, you know, for us swimmers, you know, we, like in Olympic swimmers, like we don't, there's no money really in swimming whatsoever. Like you don't go into swimming because you want money. Like, so mm -hmm. it's a great way, you know, to have a, you know, you know, some cash in your pocket, you know, and get by and all that stuff. So, I mean, I absolutely enjoy giving out, you know, swim lessons and teaching younger kids because mm -hmm. still to this day, I haven't done one in a while with them, but still to this day, I'll get messages from, you know, kids I had clinics with and they're like, Hey, I remember you came here two years ago and you helped me with this and I just want to say thank you like you know nice. and like hey like you know like I did this this and this and like you know from your clinic and I dropped two seconds and it just makes me just you know feel happy because it's like I have so much knowledge about the, the sport and swimming you know um I just want to share it you know like they're why why hold it in so really like after Tokyo I want to try to set something like that up here in Ireland as well which is really cool because there isn't anything like that you know yeah. like I want to inspire the younger generation of Ireland with the swimmers because you know sport is so big here but there's so much more to swimming than just swimming for your country you know you can go swim in college you can go like you know meet new connections you can, yeah. like I've been all over the world you know like been to Asia four times all over Europe everywhere just because of swimming so I just want to try to inspire the younger kids and try to set something up like the thinner faster but here in Ireland um, so I think that would be a really cool opportunity for myself to do something like that because I would love that to do that. That sounds brilliant. And I'm sure, you know, who, whoever listens to the podcast, you know, if it's one of our younger, you know, um, members, you know, one of our the younger audience, they'll be probably very excited. So you'll have to yeah. keep 
you'll have to let us know how this, you know, how you get on yeah. <laughs> when we can see this um, starting. And so you also, uh, I understand that you also joined the Toronto uh, Titans, a Canadian-based teams, um, mm -hmm. professional swimming team in January 2020. So um, is there any plans this year, obviously, you know, um, you know with the, the Toronto Titans? Yeah, so, I mean, we just, we finished our season in November. It was um, a camp of, it was actually in a bubble. We were in Budapest. It was season two of the ISL, which is the International Swimming League. And I was with the Toronto Titans, which is like just a, a team name. So we have every, like, you know, myself, we had like, you know, a couple of Russians on the team. So it's a lot of Swedish people all over collective of swimmers. So it was so cool because there was 10 teams, you know, and we were all in a bubble on Budapest. We all lived on a little island. We all lived in two different hotel um, hotels, but everyone had their own um, hotel room. Okay. Stayed with the COVID everyone had to wear a mask everyone had to get a COVID test every five days everyone had to eat two meters apart um and you had to stay on that island if you didn't oblige by those rules you would either get sent home or fined so <laughs> it was very very strict and there was about 1200 people that were involved with it you know like getting set getting all like the lights set up and all that stuff and no one got COVID during during that time so it was the biggest sporting event held during the COVID yeah. and no one got it. You know, people were tested before. Like, so I had to get two tests before I traveled. Mm -hmm. Once I got there, I got like, got another test. I went right to my room until it came back negative, And then I was able to leave. But some people got caught and got it while they traveled. So they had to quarantine for two weeks in their hotel room. Mm -hmm. But then after that, they were able to, you know, they were fine. They were able to get anti antibody tests and all that. Um, but it was a really, really cool opportunity for us, you know, cause it's short course meters. Um, and it was very fast. There's two, one meet is two hours, two, two hour sessions. And it's like, for me, my first day was like, you know, I swim, then I have 30 minutes later, swim again, and then another 30 minutes and swim again. Now that 30 minutes starts as soon as you finish your race. So really you only have about 15 minutes because you have to get up, you know, get dried off right before your race, go to the like call room 10 minutes before. So it's a back to back to back. And you feel like you get hit by a car after each race. Um, so it was really cool because it was like everyone and the best in the world were all there. So it was like a, like a mini worlds almost. Um, but you also had the team aspect behind it, you know, because it's like, you know, with the international swimming, it's very individual, you know, and you have your country relays. Mm -hmm. But it was just more of a team atmosphere with the team there cheering with you. There was nobody in the stands, but, you know, that didn't matter. You still had a job to do. But it was also a great opportunity for us swimmers to make some money as well. So there was like prize money involved. There was, you know, for different places where your team placed, you know, and each like, you know, semifinals was a little bit more and the finals was a little bit more. There was like MVP points as well. So it was a really, really cool opportunity for us swimmers to really, you know, go out and have fun race, you know, because there's not any other opportunities to race against other people. So it was really, really cool. So season three, hopefully we'll go through. But I mean, at this stage, we don't know what's going to be happening because it's going to be held sometime after the Olympics. Yeah, no, I can imagine uh, with the pandemic, uh, that's my next point. Um, obviously, you know, it's turned our world completely upside down all over the world. So how have you adapted over the past year? Um, I mean, I saw, I was looking at your Twitter account and I saw this video, uh, you know, with a full-on schedule, was impressive, you know, between the announcements, you know, of the Olympics, your birthday, the training, the gym. So tell me a bit about it. Yeah, no, um, it was kind of like a crazy experience, you know, finding out, um, and it's just about like, you know, like about me, like, you know, after the, you know, finding out about the Olympics being postponed and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was a bit of an interesting start. So we were still in the water, you know, 
when they first shut down the schools here in Ireland, you know, we were actually in the airport uh, about to go to a swim meet in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. And then my coach decided, it was like, no, we're not going. Mm-hmm. Like the Sport Institute just told us we're not allowed to go. So there was about like 30 of us about to jump on a plane mm-hmm. within 30 minutes. And then yeah. we ended up going back, swimming, swam for a couple, like two more weeks at most. And then everything got shut down. Um, it was a really interesting mo- like time for me because once we found out, all right, Irish trials got moved back. And then, oh, the Olympics got moved back. And I had to take a step back and realize, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to be kind of like freak out about this or just be like, take it what it is and do it and come out of this quarantine and come out of this and be, have a better mindset and be better than my competitors. Like, I'll be like, all right, this is another year for me to get better. I'm a very big, I'm very happy all the time. I'm very, I'm an optimist, you know, and I, I just like, I was like, you know what, I'm going to work hard during this and I'm going to come out better than this. Like, cause there's still have an end goal because no one's going to change my mind. And then ended up staying here on this like, you know, big lockdown. We weren't allowed to leave our uh, houses past two kilometers. There was guarded checkpoints everywhere. And I lived by myself, no, no human contact for three months, three months that was. Um, so all I had was like a bike. I had like, you know, the sports Institute was great um, here and gave me like 90 kgs worth of, you know, dumbbells and, you know, I had weights here, jump rope, bike. So, I mean, I worked out four hours a day just to, just to pass the time barbecued because it was somewhat of nice weather (laughs) so I barbecued a lot you know try to stay outside as much as I can but you know each day you know and like I just took it day by day you know and like each day I was like you know I'm going to be a little bit better this day a little bit better this day because it's it's all little things that will add up and you can't really think about what's in the future or what's in the past you just have to be living the now almost because once you start doing that every single day, being like, okay, I'm going to be a bit better today. I'm going to be a bit better like today or tomorrow or the next day. And next day, it's a snowball effect. You start getting into that rhythm of being a bit better and having a bit more of a mentality of like, okay, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to be better at, you know, like, you know, cleaning the house or, you know, I'm going to work out a little bit more, push an extra yeah. rep or anything like that. So it's a really, I thought it was, I did okay during it, you know, and a lot of people really struggled with it. Um, because it's it's hard on a lot of people you know it's something that everyone hasn't experienced in over 100 years so you just have to be mindful and like kind of like you know if you're starting to lose it a little bit just take a step back breathe a bit and just kind of focus on what can make you better you know Um, and then also living in that old house by myself for so long for over a year definitely prepared me for this so three months was nothing compared to over a year there um so, I mean, it's, it was really hard, but I ended, ended up working out because I came back really in good shape and still getting faster. And 27, I'm still some of the best times of my life. So definitely paid off. Well, well, fair play to you because I was talking about it the other day with my partner thinking how tough it must be for young people and people who live on their own as well, you know, missing that human interaction, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, you're training, you're in contact with people all the time, but just psychologically speaking, I think for anyone, uh, and especially if you're, you know, preparing, I think for um, such you know, high objective as the Olympics, uh, the, the impact it can have on your, you know, psychologically speaking, I think. Yeah. And like, you know, one crazy thing too, it's like, you have to think like outside of the box, you know, and also have to think about like, okay, like what just kind of think of crazy ideas. So I would have like, you know, dinner, zoom dinner dates with my girlfriend, you know, have a nice cooked, cooked meal and, you know, and just like, just have that once a week or twice a week and try to like, you know, talk to other people. We also did zoom talks or yeah, zoom game nights with my team. 
We did uh, Zoom core, Zoom exercises. Um, so, I mean, we, we try to stay busy as much as you can, but also try to get into a routine. I thought that really, really helped me. Like every day, it's like, it wasn't just sleeping in until like 10, 10 a.m. or 12 p.m., going to bed really late. And yeah, you're going to have days like that, but getting yourself into a routine really helps you just have a structured life. You know, be like, okay, I'm going to wake up at, you know, 9 a.m. I'm going to work after this. I'm going to eat this at this time and just try to schedule it each day by day. Cause then you're not thinking about what I need to do. You already had that planned out. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to do this now. And then all of a sudden it's like seven o'clock at night. And you're like, oh, all right. I got all that done within the next day. So that day's done. Move on to the next one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, you don't have to think about it and stress about, you know, how am I going to be able to spend this day? But you actually done something and can yeah, move on to the next one. Yeah. Yeah, it's all the little bits. Do something little each time. So you feel accomplished when you do those little things. And those little things will start to add up. And yeah, little wins always uh, always lead to the big ones. Absolutely, yeah. And then January is over finally, and then we're up to February. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then I, I wanna I wanna talk about um, I wanna talk about the um, Thinkable Awards. Um, so, as some of our audience know, we're running a, a program, an awards program, and mm -hmm. we'll be uh, delivering a keynote speech at the Thinkable Awards uh, uh, on April 21st, 2021. So, uh, the shortlist of the announcements uh, has been announced on February the 8th, and we're seeing fantastic organizations you know, applying this year, making the cut. So, of course, I can imagine you can't really give us any hint of you know, what will be your speech and the content of your uh, opening address, but I wondered, like, competing at a global level yourself, how important is it, in your opinion, to recognize individuals and organizations at a global level? I think it's like really important because, you know, it's like the swimmer, like say from instance, like the swimmer like myself, you know, it's like I'm putting in all the work, but everyone else it's like who's behind me, like, you know, the, my, my coaches, you know, Circle K, you know, I, I have a car sponsorship as well, which is great. So Windsor Motor Groups helps me have a car here. So it's like those organizations and all, you know, it's like Sport Ireland, Swim Ireland, they all come into play as well to make our lives a little bit easier. Now with my sports marketing, and I worked with Penn State Athletics um, for about for 15 weeks as a semester, you know, as an internship. So I was an athlete before and I was just, you know, going in and doing my thing, going to the swim meets. But as this as the event management, I got to see the other side of that. So you have to see the other side of what actually like what the work is to go into it, how much planning goes involved. Mm -hmm. So I had more, I, I just had a, a big appreciation for Sport Ireland, Swim Ireland and all the sponsorships and all the organizations because there, it's a lot of work, what they do. You know, it's a lot of sacrifice as well. So, I mean, I always give everyone as much credit as I can, um, you know, and even my coaches, like I have a little like, you know, like this sponsorship called NOCO and, you know, and there's just like a little branch amino acid, caffeine drink, you know, it's like carbonated water. So like, you know, I love it, but you know, my coaches really like it as well. So I got into my contract that they can get some, some of the no-cos as well, because, you know, they work all the time. They're on deck like 24 seven, you know, they're there for us 24 seven. So it's just like, I just want to help them as well, get by as well, as well as me, because it's, I think it's so important just to recognize and give like, just thank you and anything, you know, little things, you know, it's just like, you know, on their birthdays, bring them something like a little treat or something like that, or having that little extra, like little pick me up here and there. I think it's so important to have that. So yeah. So thank you for everyone for <laughs> if they ever hear this, but it's, I think it's really important to give thanks, you know, even like, you know, my parents sacrificed a lot, 
Um, so it's just, I'm a very, you know, I was raised on like, you know, always thanking people and being grateful for everything that I received because I know in the day I do work hard, but I mean, everyone else has a little bit of a hand in there as well. Thank you. Yes, no, I very much agree. And uh, I want to ask one more question before we. So there's a little bit of controversy about the Olympics. And there was, first of all, a sexism role from the former prime minister of Japan making inappropriate comments about women. But there's also a poll that found that 80% of Japanese people wanted the, the Olympics, the Tokyo Olympics, to be cancelled or maybe postponed. Yeah. What's your thought on this? So my thoughts on the Olympic postponement is, um, I mean, it already happened for a year, you know, and you have to think about like all the organizations, you know, like they pick the Olympics like years and years and years ahead. I think, I believe it's going to go on. Um, so I'm still training like it's going to go on regardless of what happens. Mm -hmm. um, but if Japan decides not to have it, okay. I mean, it doesn't matter to me because I mean, I'm still training for another event. Once that's done, like I'm still going to swim afterwards to try to go for 2024 as well. So it's like, that just gives me another goal. But once it happens, I there Japan's going to be in a big, big deck. Because I heard there was two numbers floating around. It's like either $25 billion or $40 billion dollars yeah. that they're going to lose out. Now, if they hold the Olympics with just the athletes alone and they broadcast, you know, like we were talking about earlier about how, like, you know, they brought in about over $1 billion worth mm -hmm. of stuff or reached out to 1 billion people, mm -hmm. um, like they'll make back about 80% of their revenues, you know, just on broadcasting, just having the athletes there, you know, so it won't be that big of a hit to Japan. I mean, even $25 million, that's a lot of money there. So I think what they're worried about is, you know, you know, the people that aren't vaccinated going in, I believe the athletes should be somewhat vaccinated going into the Olympics. You know, they're going to might have to, you know, separate us or, you know, keep us in smaller groups, you know, at the dining halls. Now the dining halls are massive at the Olympics, you know, and there's plenty of space, but take out some tables, the social distance. Um, but I mean, out of everyone for this thing to happen, like Japan will definitely get it right. You know, I, I believe that, you know, they will have the order. They'll have, you know, like, you know, being strict on, you know, everyone about, you know, doing the right thing. So if the country was going to do it, I think Japan would be the perfect country for them to uphold the Olympics. Um, but I would love for it to go ahead because I want to swim in it. Um, I believe it's going to go ahead. Um, so that, that's my take on it. Oh, thanks. And uh, I mean, before we end this interview, um, I can't believe the time's already flown by. Um, what's on the horizon for you? So we're talking yeah, very likely Olympics in Swim Island. Is there anything else on the horizon for Shane this year, 2021? Is there anything else you want to share with our audience before we close? Yeah, I mean, just give, you know, follow me through my, like through my uh, process here and like, and through my story, cause it's not over yet. Cause I'm still going to try to go for 2024. Um, you know, my main goal is just go, go to the Olympics. You know, I've reached the semifinal already. Now it's time to reach a final and try to be a medal fighter for, uh, for the medal in my event. I also try to help my relay. We're trying to get Ireland's first male medley relay um, to the Olympics, which is huge. Um, and then also like, you know, try to like, you know, try to help with the swim clinics as well. Um, I think that's really, really important because I mean, last Olympics, we only had three swimmers. It was me, myself and Fiona, Do uh, me, me, uh, Nicholas Quinn and Fiona Doyle. Um, and that was, that was it. Only three swimmers out of a massive, like, you know, we're a small country, but I mean, we have pools a, a lot everywhere, you know, and everyone's anytime and it's like, Oh, you swim. Like, Oh, I used to swim as well. You know, like, yeah, I always get that everywhere I go, but to try to inspire a younger generation, you know, and try to get, you know, 
realize like, okay, swimming is not just a life sport because it is a life sport, but you can actually like, you know, go somewhere with it, you know, and make new connections, like I said earlier. So the swim clinics are definitely going to be coming around for sure. And then, um, yeah, the, uh, the the next Olympics. (laughs) Sounds like a busy year for you ahead. Actually, I say if we're, you're already um, training for 2024 busy like uh uh three four years ahead so well thank you so Only three years it'll go fly by quick and then they also the isl as well the isl will be big if they can pull that off absolutely thank you so much shane uh we really appreciate your time uh, again i know you're very busy at the moment but it was a great discussion uh, i learned a lot and i'm sure you know uh, everybody will be uh, really super keen and excited to you know uh to listen to you and see you know um uh what's happening you know this year and uh, the next olympics and follow you uh so uh yeah thanks so much shane yeah, thank and, you uh, so much for having me and we look forward to talking to you soon thank you the end of today's show with Shane Ryan, Olympic swimmer. So please uh, make sure to tune in again to listen or watch uh, our next Vista Talk show discussing more interesting uh, topics with interesting people from all around the world. Thank you.